and you really don't know what you're passionate about. <laughs> you don't know what you're good at. And nobody else does either. So how do you get to a point where you actually do know? For that, it's got to be a lot of trial and error. Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast, formerly known as Improv is No Joke, where it's all about believing that strong communication skills are the best way in delivering your technical accounting knowledge and growing your business. An effective way of building stronger communication skills is by embracing the principles of applied improvisation. Your host is Peter Margarita, CPA, a.k.a. The Accidental Accountant, and he will interview financial professionals and business leaders to find their secret in building stronger relationships with their clients, customers, associates, and peers, all the while growing their businesses. So let's start the show. Welcome to episode 31. And my guest today is Brian Wagner, who is the founder and CEO of A Radical Vision. A Radical Vision's mission statement is, it took a crippling disease for us to understand that we have no vision. Losing our sight allowed us to gain vision. That was the greatest gift that's ever been given. We can't hide from our adversity. Our goal is to help others recognize their adversity, go blind, and gain vision. This happened to us, and now we want to help others have that same focus. In this episode, you'll learn how Brian overcame the adversity of losing his sight in his right eye, how he embraces his uniqueness, how he is helping business professionals to become aware of their blind spots so they can become more effective leaders. This is a very inspirational interview, and I hope you begin to think about your blind spots and how you can eliminate them in order to gain clarity. Before we get to the interview, Change Your Mindset is part of the C-Suite Radio family of podcasts. It is an honor and a privilege to be amongst some of the more popular business podcasts, such as The Hero Factor with Jeffrey Hazlett, Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken, and Keep Leading with my good friend, Eddie Turner. You can find Change Your Mindset and many other outstanding business podcasts on the C-Suite Radio by going to www.c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. And now a quick word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Peter A. Margaritas, LLC, a.k.a. The Accidental Accountant. Are you looking for a high-content and engaging speaker for your next conference? Do you want to deliver a story to stakeholders that will transform data dumping to engaging business conversations? Do you want to feel that the value a speaker provides your audience far exceeds the dollar value on their invoice? Then book Peter for your next conference, management retreat, or workshop. Contact Peter at peter at petermargaritas.com and visit his website at www.petermargaritas.com. By the way, one of his Fortune 50 clients actually made the comment about the value he brings to your audience. Now, let's get to the interview with Brian Wagner. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, I'm excited to have my guest, uh, fellow NSA Ohio member, and that's the 
NSA that speaks, not the ones that listen, uh, Brian Wagner. And Brian has such a unique story. Uh, I'm, and I've heard it, but I don't know it all. And I'm looking forward to learning more. But first and foremost, Brian, thank you for taking your time out of your busy schedule on this Friday afternoon at 11 a.m. Welcome, my friend. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Peter. Brian, I can't do justice on giving your background. Uh, some folks I've had on the podcast I've known that I could I could probably give a decent job on describing or, or telling someone about the background, but I think you can only give your background the best. So could you give the audience a little bit about yourself and, and your uniqueness? My uniqueness. Uh, <laughs> so 10, 10 years ago, uh, well, actually, when I was 10 years old, uh, and I'm 53, 51, almost 52 now, I, I started to have some problems with my brain and my uh, drainage fr of fluid from my brain. And really, there was a long history of different issues that went on over the course of my life. And at the age of 43, which would have been about eight years ago, I had uh, a problem with my brain and it's uh, a cavernous malformation. So a cavernous malformation is a, it's a malformed blood vessel. They can form anywhere in your body. Mine just happened to have formed in my brainstem. Well, it did, and I'd known about it for a while, but it did, and it bled. And when it bled, it put pressure on the nerves that control my vision. And as a result of that, I had to have surgery, brain surgery, in order to remove the cavernous malformation from my brainstem. So they actually went in um, in the back of my neck and with a uh, an MRI guided tool and they actually picked that out of my brainstem. So this is something that they told me for a long time, don't ever let someone operate on your brainstem. But uh, it got to a point where the problems were only, gonna, only going to become worse and more frequent. So that was uh, what happened. And before that, I had gone blind. Um, that was why the problems were only going to become worse and more frequent. Well, that was, a, that was one of the resulting factors is that I'd become blind. Um, both of my eyelids would not open unless, unless I lifted them with a finger. Um, both of my eyeballs don't go together, and they still don't go together to this day. So my one eyelid is still down, uh, and it actually is not a bad thing because it helped me from seeing too much double. Mm. I still see mm. a little double out of my right eye, but my left eye is open for the most part, not as open as most people's, but it's good enough for me to be able to drive. So that was uh, eight years ago. I had that surgery. I've had uh, multiple other eye surgeries since then and have just come to a point where about two and a half, three years ago, uh, I knew that, you know, well, I, I knew this six years ago that uh, my reason for going through this was not the, that I should you know, just have this condition and deal with it. But if I could get through this eight years ago when I had surgery, if I could get through this, I wanted to be able to have um, the ability to help other people that are going through their struggles as well. So that's what I'm doing. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. So let's back up just a little bit more. Um, I know that before you got into the speaking business, and I assume that these issues you were having because you were an IT salesman for a while, weren't you, my friend? Uh huh. I worked for IBM for about 10 years and then uh, for a number of other years selling IBM products. Um, so that was, uh, that was what I did. And 
Yeah, I loved doing it. I felt very good about it. And that was, uh, that was who I was. I mean, I, that was my identity. So what was, the, what was the, the point that you said? Was it the surgery or, or after the surgeries that you said, I, 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 that was my identity before, but I need to transform into this new identity or, or embrace this new, or I, I want to go out. And, and that passion was so great that I want to get out and share this story to help other people. Yeah, so that that took a long time. I mean, really, when I was going through the blindness for six months, um, that's when I knew that if I could get through this, I wanted to be able to help other people. But I really continued to to drive because I wanted to have a, a, a source of income, which is important. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I so does wife. your wife? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so going through that, I wanted to I wanted to be able to um, provide the income, and I really was impact was passionate about that, but it di- just didn't seem to work out as well. So I I went from job to job to job, and I had some other people that were I was relying on for coaching, and they told me never to quit my day jobs. So I didn't quit my day job until that last one where my day job quit me, and then I knew that it was my time to be able to just to be able to, to do this uh, speaking business. So that's where I've been ever since is all about building my speaking business. Now, uh, there have been some other people that have uh, come into my life that have helped me to give me a day job. So um, I have a little, I'm, I have some good income from that. And, uh, and, but that's not an IT sales. Uh, no, that's, that's not, but it, it's, it's an interesting path. And it's funny that you said that you had this, but it took your company to quit you before mm-hmm. you made that move versus when you would quit a company, and which I had a media flashback to when I was downsized, right-sized, re-engineered, layoff, or fired. I'm not quite sure which one it was from Victoria's Secret Catalog. I remember that feeling that I had, and I said, you know what, someday... I'm not going to let anybody have that opportunity to do that again because I had never been fired before. But it left such a scar that it took a few years, maybe five years after that, until I went full time. I was actually 10 years after I went before I took the, before I took the business full time. But that just resonated in the back of my head about that. And it's like, no, they don't quit me. I'm, I'm not going to put myself in that risk position again for a longer period of time. And, and that's how I took my part-time job, took over my full-time job. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. So you, you talk about, you know, we all have blind spots. Those things that, those things, those things that we can't see that we, that, or we're unaware of. And what's, what's, when you're out to talking to audiences, I, you know, do they, I would assume they all recognize that they have these blind spots or is it just a aha moment for them? No, that, there's um, most people identify and they, they agree. They shake their heads. Yeah, we all we all have blindness. We all have blind spots. But when you ask them, uh, you know, to identify their own or to, you know, to talk about their own, then it's a different story. They they're more apt to understand and be able to relate to you when they talk about other people's blind spots. So that's easier for them to have that conversation. So we have that conversation. Talk about one of the one of the you know, a simple blind spot would be somebody that's just come from the bathroom, and you know they've uh, they've got toilet paper on their heel, <laughs> and they're walking down the hall with toilet paper on their heel. 
deal. Well, that's a blind spot. I mean, that's <laughs> a different kind of blind spot. That's a physical one. But, you know, that shows them. And so there's, there are things that other people see that they don't. And that's essentially your blind spot. Your blind spot is anything that's preventing you from doing something better, different, or worse, to, to, to preventing you from, from moving ahead. And in, in a physical sense, you know, it could be your blind spot on your car is where you're, you're over your back right shoulder. You don't see through those blind spots through your mirrors. You have to actually physically look back there. So with your blind spot from a mental perspective, you have to physically have someone else look at your blind spots and have someone else tell you what your blind spot are. Because you're not going to be able to, most likely, you're not going to be able to identify your own blind spot on your own, or they won't be considered blind spots. Okay, so remind me, I, I we had this conversation uh, a few months ago, and what was the principle of the Kobayashi, I, I know I'm butchering that, but hopefully that jars your memory. Oh, the Johari window. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah Kobayashi, yeah, Johari, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I knew what you meant. It took me a little while, but um, yeah. So the Johari window is um, if you think of a window with four separate panes, okay. so four four different quadrants in the upper right hand corner of that window. Um, and so, if you were to think of it in this way, uh, along the bottom of the window, you can write the words "things I don't see" and "things I do see." And then along the right-hand part of the window, mm -hmm. write things that other people see and things that other people don't see. So the corresponding quadrants to those will be in your upper right-hand quadrant. It's going to be things that you see and that other people see. So when I say things, you could think of characteristics. You could think of incentives. You could think of emotions. You could think of other areas of your life where you are setting off. You're creating this energy in the world, this workforce energy, this whatever energy is out there. So that is what that upper right-hand quadrant and all the quadrants will have in them are these different characteristics. So upper right-hand quadrant is things that you see and then the things that other people see as well. So that's the upper right. Mm -hmm. If you go to the upper left quadrant, you're going to have things that you don't see, but other people do see. Oh. That's your blind spot. Okay. 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 So again, the same, same characteristics can apply to that from an energy perspective, emotions, um, what, you're, what you're putting out in the world. Then in your lower right-hand quadrant, you're going to have things that you see, but other people don't, or things that you know that other people don't. So for example, you may know that you have a degree in accounting, but no one else knows that. Or you may know that you have certain things going on in your life with you know, a, a parent that's uh, sick and you know, they're not doing well. But from a team perspective, if other people on your team were to know that this was going on in your life, it would make that team be more cohesive. It would make that team have more empathy for what it is you're going through. It just would make your life much easier as a leader and as a team member. So that's really the hidden area is that lower right-hand quadrant. 
And then in the lower left-hand quadrant, it is the unknown area. It's where you have things and um, things, you could say different items that you know, that you, sorry, that you don't know and that other people don't know. The things that you don't know and other people don't know. So that could be something like you're coming out of college or high school and you really don't know what you're passionate about. <laughs> you don't know what you're good at and nobody else does either. So how do you get to a point where you actually do know? For that, it's got to be a lot of trial and error. You've got to be able to set yourself up in a position where you can do different things in the world and see how they go and then pivot when they do or don't work. So that's an important part to be able to, to make the whole idea of the window. It's to build self-awareness. And when you build self-awareness, you are going to make your open area bigger. That's that upper right-hand quadrant that we talked about earlier, where you have what you know and what other people know about you. So the more they know and the more you know about you, the bigger your upper right-hand quadrant is going to be. That's the open area. And you want to make your blind spot area off to the left. You want to make that as small as possible. And then, of course, the same thing with the hidden area down here on the bottom right. Once you do that, once you make your open area as large as possible, then you're going to have a much more cohesive team. You're going to have a much more productive team. And you're going to have a much more efficient team. All those things are really going to add up to something that's much more than, much more than what you have today. To me, when I, when I hear what you just described, and then you said self-awareness, which makes me think of emotional intelligence. In order to get to that nirvana, we have to be vulnerable. Right. So, and that really mostly, I mean, can, can apply to the other areas as well, but mostly applies to how you can make your open area larger and make your hidden area smaller. So that's the one directly below it, where you have things that you know, but other people don't know. So how do you, and being vulnerable is one of those ways that you will be able to do that. You'll be able to make that hidden area smaller. So as you're vulnerable, you're going to be able to help them, share with them, you know, what's going on. And that's going to, it's going to make that team, that's going to make that team work so much better. And the, uh, the leaders are going to be much more a part of the team as opposed to the person that's dragging the team. But it's so hard for people to do that. It's so hard for them to say, you know, what one, some people just don't like to share because the, the philosophy, you know, leave your work life at home. This is business, business is business, but that's kind of an old school mentality anymore. Um, and there's different personalities that come into play, but that's hard to get somebody to, to be, to be more open and more vulnerable when, when they're not accustomed to it because now you got the whole risk factor and fear factor there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and really from the perspective of the Jahari window, it is exactly to do just that. It's to it's to create that self-awareness. So it's something that, you know, the, the person or the team can have and will show them, okay, so I'm looking at my vulnerability factor or my hidden area and seeing how large it is. And I compare that to Peter's hidden area and I see how Peter's hidden area is is so much smaller because his open area is so so much larger than mine. And I think of how 
that mean what that means to me in, in my head, that means that I need to do a better job. And it's going to stick with me for the next six months to a year. And I'm going to be able to be more intentional about making that hidden area smaller. Yes. And when I think within a team, if the leader of the team doesn't do it and you try to share and become more vulnerable, uh, they might shoot you down for that because that's not in the in the, the wheelhouse per se. And, and I think of the, the number of times that I've done the creativity workshop at, at a CPA firm and I've asked the partner to say something, give an idea that's just off the wall crazy, just just bizarre, and they won't do it. Because they don't want to, stay, they don't want to have that appearance of, uh, of that. So they don't want to even show any vulnerability. And, and then I usually ask them to leave, because mm-hmm. nobody, nobody, <laughs> nobody else is going to do it if he won't do it or she won't do it. If the leader won't do it, and I look for everybody else to, do it, they're, they're going to follow them. So I usually ask them to leave and just say, make sure the check still clears, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is, I mean, that, that is so. Um, the blind spot. So how do you, it sounds like if, if you want to have a great team, we need to tell the other teammates where their blind spot or the blind spot that they don't know or they don't see. That's a tough conversation. That's a tough conversation. It is. And so, you know, when you, when you do that, you need to solicit feedback and you need to make sure that when you solicit feedback, that you pick the appropriate person for the feedback. It's probably not going to be your wife. It's probably not going to be your son. It's probably not going to be even your teammates. It's going to be somebody outside of that, but still someone that you would put in your trusted circle. And you want to make sure that you're reaching out to those people for that feedback and you're being being pinpointing, you're pinpointing, here's the kind of feedback that I'm looking for. Here's the area that I want you to concentrate on. Here is what I want you to listen in for as you hear me speak and as you hear me work with other people in my team. But what's important about feedback is not only who you ask and how you ask, but it's how you receive it. So when you receive feedback, you need to make sure that you receive it as a gift. And anytime you receive a gift, what do you say? Thank you. Exactly. So that's how you need to receive feedback. That's going to determine how you receive the feedback in the future. And if you receive any. So, as I said, thank you. I thought some people will receive a gift who doesn't want it. Said, do you have the receipt? Because I want to take this back. <laughs> <laughs> there's another option. <laughs> but, you know, when you say it, it's a gift and, and to accept these gifts, I will bring it into the improv world. That's a lot what improv is about. You, you, what's given to you, accept it as a gift. And you move forward with it. And, and, you know, a lot of people, when they ask for feedback and when you give it to them, they can become defensive. It's like even, even especially even when you're doing it right, like you said, you, you make sure that you put parameters around that. But when, as you're providing that feedback, they get extremely defensive. It's like, wait, no, you've asked for this feedback. This is time for you to not be defensive and just, okay, let me listen. Let me accept it. I don't have to take it or not. But I've asked for it, so just shut up and listen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Without, yeah, without, you're right. Without getting defensive. Yeah, and and, and that's you know we're gonna 
be indicative of uh, the leader you're going to have. If, if they're going to be defensive when they get feedback that they've specifically asked for, you know, that's, uh, that's unfortunate. So there's, there's other issues there at play that you need to work through or that leader needs to work through. So how do you convince a leader that they need to embrace this type of leadership style? Somebody who's been out there, who's been a leader uh, with, with, or I'll just say an assumed leader because they have the title. Mm-hmm. And title doesn't always equal leadership. Uh, that they need to change their or begin to mold their leadership style in a different way. And I've there's a half dozen people that I know that their boss were sent to coaching in order to do this, but they didn't have the DNA to change. Hmm. Well, I mean, I would go to one area in particular, and I would just say, you know, are you uh, getting what you want? from your team? Are you getting what you want from the company? Are you ecstatic? Are you happy? Are you delighted with everything? And if they are, that's one thing. I mean, if you're satisfied as a leader, I don't, I don't, I don't know many leaders that are ever satisfied. They're not, they're not ever at a point where, you know, they can sit back and sit on their laurels and think that uh, they've got, they've got everything taken care of. This is as good as it gets. They're always looking for ways to improve. So that is the sign to me, one of the signs of a great leader is somebody that's always looking to improve. Yeah. Made me think of a few leaders who they want to still do it the way that it's always been. And there's no room for improvement because this worked in the past. Well, Mm -hmm. this isn't the past. This is the present and the future. And and the world has changed. And it's that inability to recognize it and move forward. So I, when I think of those folks, I think they've got a one huge blind spot that I'm not sure they will ever get past. Right. Right. And there, there are lots of other tools that, um, that are available. I mean, beyond the Jahari window, I mean, that's, that's just one tool that I use that it's easy to talk about. Um, there's other tools out there that can help leaders to identify identify that there's something missing, that there's, there's something that they're not seeing. So I, I go back to the vision perspective all the time, um, perspective, vision, uh, sight. You know, I think of all those things that if they're not seeing, then you know, they need to be able to see them. And if they can't see them, think about what that would mean. Think about what that would mean to you know, where they are. Think about what that would mean to their future. So some of the tools are from a, a doctor named uh, Tasha Yurik. She's uh, put out a book called Insight. And that book has helped me to be able to understand that there are a lot of other tools out there that can help a leader identify what may be holding them back or maybe at least identify that something is holding them back, that there is more to life and that there is more to their job. All those things that can help them Go beyond where they've gone today. And what was the name of the book again? Oh, the name of the book is Insight by Dr. Tasha Yurik. We'll make sure we put that in our show notes. So if anybody wants to go out and uh, pick up that book on Amazon, because I think when we're done here, I will be picking up that book on Amazon because I I love reading stuff like 
I look at leaders and I look at the process and that's what's missing a lot of times because just because you go to a leadership seminar doesn't make you a leader. They they get they forget the process that they need to go through. And to your point, that leadership needs to be worked on every single day. It's not something that's, you know, mm-hmm. it could be ingrained in most of us or some of us, but it always still takes work to maintain that. No, it's not like a screwdriver that you can use no. it once and then put it in the drawer and it's, it's good until you pull it out again. You need another screw. Screwed. <laughs> I don't know if I can say it that way. Well, you, you can because I'm. I'm this is my show. I'm gonna make. Sure, I'm gonna make sure they don't cut that out. <laughs> because you you are if you if you think that screwdriver is your leadership and you you can pull it out whenever that you need it versus you need it all the time because there's so much so much involved in being that leader. Um, it's um. I don't know. I, I and I, I've got a couple of friends who are deep in corporate America, and they are just absolutely frustrated. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I, I guess we are. I, I'm getting to that age that a lot of my friends are talking about retirement, and they're going, "I can't leave. I hate it here. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a miserable environment." However, I have to put up with it because I want my retirement. Uh, and I got so many years to go and I've got a couple friends who I worry about their health. Mm. I mean, they're so twisted inside, outside, upside and down. It's like, is it really worth it? Or, or it, apparently it's okay to have that leadership style within the organization. And it's, and it's really just killing their people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awful. I mean, if they, if they have that screwdriver pers- perspective, uh, and they put it put that screwdriver back away. I mean, they they are screwed. So they need to they need to. I don't know. You think about leadership, and, and I, I I don't remember. I, I did see this stat, and it was in a in a reputable periodical. I just don't remember which one. But there was a stat that said fifty nine percent of of employees trust a stranger more than their own boss or manager. <laughs> That's scary. Yeah. Oh yeah, because they're they're worried about them uh, trying to influence them or trying to uh, you know um, persuade them in another way. Uh, just you know, they have they think they have bad intentions. Because from that perspective, it's not about the people that are working with me. It's about me mm-hmm. and, and about my agenda versus about the audience's agenda. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's something that, that I have learned in my time at, at National Speakers Association. It really shouldn't be about me. It should be about my audience and, and where do they need to go and where do I, and I need to know them and, and try to take them down this path versus, no, it's about me. And I think these people need what I have. I think they need, I'm not going to ask them because I'm sure this is exactly what they need. And there's no, it's not a two-way street. Right, right. So, tell us more about this whole blind spot when you're out talking to organizations. It's what else do you discuss with them? Well, one of the other areas we we discussed is their uniqueness. So, uh, uniqueness is one of those things where you can identify it, and then you you'll be able to you'll be able to utilize it in a way that's going to be different than what you've done ever, ever done before. But 
that uniqueness and the blind spots really doesn't blind spot isn't always a bad thing. So, you know, there's lots of blind spots where, you know, I'm, uh, or I've seen people that have helped students that they don't even realize what they're doing for those students, but they're doing, they're helping them. They're doing a great service by mm-hmm. spending time with them, by encouraging them, by, you know, uh, just being, being their friend, you know, all those things are helping that student an awful lot. So the blind spot is one of those things that can be a positive. And that's, that's one of the areas that we talk about is, you know, the blind spots and how they can be something other than just a negative. Um, go ahead. I was saying, you said the word uniqueness. Is that another way of saying our quirkiness? Um, yeah, I actually <laughs> call it weird. <laughs> but um, I, I don't think that comes off as well. I don't think people appreciate me saying weird. So I say uniqueness or quirkiness. Yeah. I prefer weird, by the way. But <laughs> <laughs> we, we all have our own weirdness about, you know, our own quirkiness. And, and, and the more, I guess your, your point was the more that we can embrace that instead yeah. of kind of repelling it. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I I do different things with um, audiences where I have um, pictures that I that I have taken with them. I do selfies, so you know it's me and the other person, and I encourage them to wink. Actually, I ma- I make them wink, and so they're winking with me, and I tell them that it's a lot easier for me to wink than it is for them, just because of my quirkiness and my my I call it weirdness. But what makes you me unique is my my face for one. But really, beyond that, it's it's how I handle my face and how I I'm embracing what makes me different, and how I embrace what makes me different makes me different more. If that makes sense, you've really embraced the winking with Wagner uh, <laughs> mantra, um, and I don't remember when th- this started within this past twelve months, I believe, or or. Yes. It- or it exploded within this past 12 months. Because I think everywhere you go, doesn't matter. You, you'll grab somebody, you'll talk to them, and you'll take a selfie, and you'll post it. And I'm going, and he's talking there. It is so cool, Winking with Wagner, and just and I will be, you know, full disclosure, one of our NSA chapter members, board members, she kind of dubbed you the nickname uh, Brian the Wink. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm okay with that. And when you first joined the chapter, I mean, you really you really caught everybody off, off guard because you, I'll let you introduce yourself like you did the very first time at, at our chapter meeting. <laughs> well, maybe one of the first times. I'm not sure what, what I exactly said, but I mean, um, there's lots of different ways to spell your name. I mean, there's Peter or there's Pete, you know, but there's no really um, mistake how to spell my name. My name is Brian, and that's with one eye. <laughs> I still laugh. <laughs> now, if people don't have a picture of me and they can't see me, right? They don't appreciate that. But if they do, then they will. Maybe. Well, the, when, when we post this on social media, we'll get your. I'll make sure that you send me your headshot so they can uh, see that. But yeah, and, but the funny thing was, we had another guy in the, in the class, and I guess he said, "Yeah, my name is Brian with two eyes." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it, it, it was it was it was that that. I think you told everybody in that room, I'm okay with it. I, mm-hmm. I, this is who I am, and with the great sense of humor with it, that, you know, which Brian are we talking about? 
and the the head would tilt, or you know the guy with one eye, not the with, and it's just it, it's such a a refreshing way to go about things. It, it's just been it's been so cool to, to to watch you do this, and how you've captured people's imaginations in so many different ways just by and and the time that Kay Francis and Dave Caperton and you, me, and a few other people were having dining dialogue, and we were. I think you asked, you know, something about the wink, and that just exploded into, into something even more. And anytime anybody winks at me, I'm sorry. I think about you, which I tell people, <laughs> quit winking at me. Well, that's kind of scary. Well, you know, yeah, right, right. How you doing? You know, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> Wow, but that goes to that uniqueness about you. But that uniqueness is contagious. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. Well, I, 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 I believe it is that that people. Well, if you can get strangers to take a selfie with you, mm-hmm. it's contagious, and and smile at the same time. Um, they smile big usually. Yeah, they do. Uh, they have. I've been to some conferences where I've I've had them taken, and they. They're, the people are just having a great time with it. So uh, it's it's worked out well. But you're also planting that seed. Because mm. you're not doing the winking for Wagner before the conference. You're doing the winking for Wagner after you've, after you've given them your message. So by I think by taking that selfie, you're also planting another seed in their head or you're reminding them about the uniqueness and reminding them about the blind spot. Yeah, so at the conferences, uh, actually, I go beforehand and I'll go to a pre-conference dinner or something like that with the board, and I will uh, do some winking with Wagner photos there, and then I'll I'll upload those photos into the presentation, and then when I give the presentation as part of the program, then I'll I'll pull those photos out and I'll show them to the entire crowd so the entire crowd can see what the board is up to and how they're having fun, and it maybe encourages them to get on the board or do, do other things on the board or with the board. Um, but then I encourage them to come and wink with me. Uh, I'll wink with them there in the audience, or I'll wink with them outside of the the room after you know with the program's over. That's great. And, and now that you're going to be in this new leadership position at uh, our chapter as vice president, on your way to be president, I'd be interested in how you're going to get our audience more engaged uh, and, and get them, you know, with with the, with the winking with Wagner. I, I look forward to watching you do that, especially with the new people coming to the chapter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. And I'm, I'm hoping to continue uh, to do what I've done in the past with the uh, membership role and, and trying to increase our membership and to, to make it more beneficial to, uh, to all of the people that are there. So, you know, to have them embrace their own uniqueness, I mean, that's what we want to do here. Uh, it doesn't matter if you have a, a permanent wink or if you have, a, you know, one leg shorter than the other. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't, but it's amazing that in some places it's frowned upon, or you're not supposed you're not supposed to be unique. You're supposed to wear the khaki pants, the blue polo, and everybody look alike. And I've never subscribed to that. And I remember the first time I was working at Price Waterhouse, I walked in one day, and it wasn't a blue suit, it wasn't a red tie. I wore a black suit white shirt with a tie and everybody asked me are you going to a funeral today <laughs> and i went no and they go well why are you wearing black because it's a fashionable color i like to wear it. and they they looked at me like you're nuts mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something. 
It is something. It really is something. So as a parting remark, what advice would you give those who are listening about, one, embracing their uniqueness, and two, receiving feedback? Embracing, from embracing their uniqueness, the one piece of advice that I would give is to smile even when they don't feel like it. Now, that may sound like strange a strange recommendation for people that are that are trying to embrace their own uniqueness. But if they can smile and think about them and their lives and you know what what the, what makes them up, what makes them who they are, uh, they're going to smile and they're going to think about that whether they smile physically on their face or in their mind. That's going to allow them to be able to embrace their uniqueness and it's going to help them anyways to embrace their uniqueness so that's one thing um the next thing you mentioned was in terms of um in terms of feedback and soliciting feedback or getting feedback you know that's a really difficult question to answer because it just certainly depends on the person that's that's going through that but i would suggest and i'm not asking for you to pay me um by any means but I'm at, I'm suggesting that if you go to someone for feedback, that it be someone really outside of your friend circle, outside of your family circle. So it may be something, someone within your circle, but they know you well enough to give you good feedback. Uh, if you can't do that, you need to pay someone. You need to mm-hmm. pay someone to give you feedback. And that is really what's going to set you apart. Because the feedback that you get from that person that you pay, it's going to be honest. Hopefully not brutally honest. Hopefully they they don't knock you down, but hopefully they give you feedback that can be constructive. So two two thoughts here, and I love the, the smile, and I love you know when we need when we smile, that's more open, that's more embracing. But there's times that we don't. We don't think we can smile. Uh, I was in, in New York working with a company. They put us through this training program and they had this actor come in. And he was working with breathing exercises and stuff. And then we were supposed to do a three-minute presentation on the first person we ever kissed. And this one woman comes out and she's telling the story, but she's got this scowl on her face. And he stopped the class. He said, I don't remember, Janet, you, you, you need to smile. She goes, I am. Okay, start over, come back in. She comes, she comes back in and starts, and she's, she still has this scowl on her face. And he said, follow me. And he takes her out of the conference room. We can all see. He whispers something in her ear. She comes back and starts the story, and she had this humongous smile on her face. Blew us all away. We went, what the heck did you say to her? And the, guy, the actor's name, his name was Craig Rowe, and he'd been on some, he'd done some Milan Order stuff, and, and, and he said, all I told her is to say these words in her head. I love you. But in a, <laughs> but, but in a Southern accent, I love you. <laughs> I love you. When you say those words inside your head in a Southern accent, you will smile. And that was the best piece of advice because when I know that I need a smile and I don't feel like I love you. Sounds more like Bill Clinton going, I love you. <laughs> but it's in that Southern accent. And soliciting, feed, and soliciting feedback, I think you have to understand who the person is and their ability to receive feedback. 
Judy Carter was one of my coaches for a while. And she said, how would you like feedback? And I said, right between the eyes. I said, don't sugarcoat. I, I don't like it when people sugarcoat. Just tell me the truth. She was, are you sure? I said, yeah. And first time she gave me feedback after she was done, and she gave it to me between the eyes. I mean, my hair was blowing back and everything. She goes, are you okay? I said, I needed to hear. That's what I wanted to hear. Thank you very much. She goes, you're weird. I said, thank you. Because <laughs> <laughs> even to her point, because most people, even when they ask for it, they take it personal. If you ask for it, mm-hmm. then let them tell you, and then you can decide. But don't get defensive. Right. Exactly. That's what it's all about. To me, people get defensive. Well, Brian, uh, with one eye, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just, I mean, it just, I think about, I think about you, and I say that, and it just, it just makes me laugh. But not at you, but kind of with you in this whole uniqueness aspect of it. And I'm, I'm so glad that you were able to spend some time on the podcast. I'm, I'm looking forward to. knowing you even more so over these next two or three years as you begin to lead the chapter. Uh, It's been great getting to know you and I love the attitude. I love the perspective and keep putting up the good fight, my friend. You're doing one hell of a job. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And if if I leave you with one, one comment, I'm not sure if we're to the one comment yet or not. Sure. My one comment is to just keep one eye on the road. Oh, you did say earlier in the presentation, you said something like something about one eye, and then I went, what? Uh, but uh, yeah, keep one eye on the road, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> keep, just at least one eye. Two if you can. But Right. Yeah. <laughs> you, you got another one? Well, there's lots of them, but I mean, that's good for now. That's good I for now. I don't want to inundate, inundate you. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. Uh, I'll see you. I'll see you tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow at the board meeting. Right. Sounds board. good. Thanks. Bye, bud. Now that you've listened to this episode, what will you do to discover your blind spots? What steps will you take to change your mindset and eliminate your blind spots to gain clarity? What risk are you willing to accept in order to be prepared? for tomorrow all the while knowing is that in order to enact change it takes baby steps thank you for listening and if you're enjoying this podcast please subscribe and share this episode with a friend and also remember please visit csuiteradio.com to listen to many of the excellent business podcasts that they have in their network have a great week Like what you just heard, visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.